before I get started, there's a couple of, couple of things that uh, you need to know about. You probably saw a little painting on the floor in the back if you were over by the donuts. Anybody go over by the donuts? Oh, the boiled eggs. Uh, boiled the eggs and the, this, all of those things that are so good. We are creating a, a coffee corner. It's going to, you know, Jericho Village's Coffee House Church is a dream and a hope for Kit and I that, that we brought to Arbor Point. And so we're beginning that process by creating an area, uh, Jericho Village Cafe is really what it more is going to be, as we move towards our future, which will be, it will be included as part of the church. And when we get to a new building. We're about to do a lease for three years here, which gives us a little bit of time to work out the details. You've heard the vision if you've been coming here very long, and I'll do that on another day. Um, but that's what you see. The painting on the floor is, is the area. It's a 12 by 12 area. We'll have a counter to all the way around and to the back, which will give us some storage area and some cabinets on the wall. We're also gonna extend the stage, the platform area, uh, six or seven feet out, which will get me off the floor, which will help you be able to see me a little bit better um, but also gives us a little bit more space because we're growing and we want to create that. So as you see those things happening, that's what's going on. It's, you know, we're not destroying for the sake of destroying. We're going <laughs> to build some things up. You're seeing as well some uh, improvements in, the, in equipment and some other things that our musicians in the house recognize. Our others are probably going, huh, that sounds better. I wonder what's going on. <laughs> um, so, so good things are happening. God is in the house continuing to work with us and move us, and I think as long as we remain uh, uh, in honoring of him, that he will continue the movement that is afoot here at Arbor Point Church. This is a fun series, a summer series at the movies, but it's also uh, it's a fun series with a point. Our premise in at the movies is that you can find God anywhere that you look for God, even at the movies. So we've been taking some different movies and looking at themes that come out of those movies that connect to our Christian journey. We started with Bohemian Rhapsody, which is about Queen, which you'd go, okay, that has nothing to do with Christianity. But if you look at some themes in there, what I pulled out of there was Perseverance. You remember the Sing Higher clip where they're singing about, you got Galileo, higher, Galileo, higher, you know, and it keeps on, I guess, about all I got. <laughs> Um, but we must persevere in our, in our journey. And, and they did hours and hours, and it turned into one of the greatest rock anthems of all time. And the other that I pulled from it was engagement, that, that for Queen, it was important that they draw the, draw the audience into, and that's where We Will Rock You came from. And I don't know where Mike found that, but we'll do that again someday, uh, the Christian version of, of We Will Rock You. Um, but they engaged, and we are to engage. We are not, that's what this... I love that our children are leading the way in a lot of ways in our mission, right? They're, they're showing us up. Right now, they're crushing us 149 to zero. So, so we got work to do, other, other folks, but um, engagement's critical for our journey. Last week was the Grinch Who Stole Chris, Christmas, and there's a lot in that. But I wanted to, what struck me out of that was that this idea of the God of the breakthrough, the catalytic event, that our journey is not this straight incline, that it's actually more up, and then we plateau for a while, and then something bumps us. Like, we're going to Puerto Rico. That tends to be an international mission when we expose ourselves to other cultures and other, and that, that don't have some of the things that we have, and it goes, wow, maybe I don't need the things that, that I think I need in, in my life. Um, so that, that, was, uh, that was a big point, but what really struck me was at the end, right, because his heart grew three sizes. And Deb Webb, I wish I'd have talked to her before this, but, but she had this great idea, and maybe we'll do it at some point, uh, of, of having a little, making little hearts. Well, how cool would it have been if we'd have had a little, like, paper heart, and it unfolds? 
you know, and, and on that you would write, what is it that makes your heart grow? Because as Christians, we need to engage in the things that make our heart grow. And that leads us to this week, in a way, because this week we're going to be talking about this mo- uh, movie called Gifted. Um, as the vaunted historian Wikipedia tells us, Frank Adler, played by Chris Evans, is a single man raising a child prodigy. His spirited young niece, Mary, is played by McKenna Grace in a coastal town in Florida. Frank's plans for a normal school life for Mary are foiled when the seven-year-old's mathematical abilities come to the attention of Frank's formidable mother, Evelyn, played by Lindsay Duncan, whose plans for her granddaughter threaten to separate Frank and Mary. Okay, I don't really know that Wikipedia talks like that. It just sounds like it would be a cool, yeah. I, I, no, I don't know what the accent is. It's kind of a, you know. Here's the deal. Here's the story. Mary's mom, Diane, was a mathematics prodigy. She was a prodigy, and, and that was what Mary is as well, young Mary. But Diane ends up committing suicide, which is why Uncle Frank ends up raising Mary. And Diane was working on a problem. It's a Navier-Stokes uh, is the name of that mathematical problem. It had, it had uh, foiled scholars for years. They didn't have an answer to it. And Grandma thought that her daughter was going to be famous for solving it, but then she took her own life and so did not. And Grandma is uninterested in Mary until she finds out about her mathematical ability. And then Grandma begins to bring herself into this custody battle so that she can, can, Grandma can continue her quest for mathematical immortality through her kids and now through her granddaughter. And that takes me to a scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. A spiritual gift is given each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another person the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret that which is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, Mary is exceptionally gifted in math, and this is her beginning at school. That is fact number one of today. Who can tell me what two plus two is? Who's got it? Mm-hmm. Four. Excellent, Donna. It is. Two plus two is indeed four. Okay, who wants to try three plus three? Three plus three? Really? I beg your pardon? What kind of school is this anyway? It's the kind of school where students don't speak without permission. All right, but everyone knows it's six. Nobody in this classroom speaks unless they are called upon. Okay, is everybody clear on that? Yes, ma'am. Good. Mary, can you stand up, please? Stand on up. Stand up, babe. These questions are for you because you're so advanced. What is nine plus eight? 17. Yeah, yes, it is. That's good. What is 15 plus 17? 32. 
Yeah, it's, that, that is right. All right then, well, what is 57 plus 135? 192. Uh-huh. Can you tell me what 57 multiplied by 7.7 and change. Now what does ad nauseum mean? One she had a conversation that morning with, with Frank and, and he said something about her saying something ad nauseum. So you can see she's a little bit gifted. She's called spirited, but <laughs> you could say she's completely lacking in social skills. Later on the, the, the principal comes in and she yells at the principal. Um, she, she is quite, quite the um, precocious young girl. See, it's this lack of social skills that, with her extraordinary giftedness that creates some really funny th things in the movie, but it also creates some really difficult and emotional moments. She's clearly bored with the class, and, and so that was uh, difficult for her. Another passage that I want to grab hold of is Romans chapter 12, is verses 6 through 8. It's in His grace. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given to you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If it's to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Each of us, and you hear me say this a lot because I really want to emphasize it for us as a people, as a congregation, as the body of Christ. Each of us, each of you and me, has been gifted. We have gifts, not just talents. We have talents, but we also have spiritual gifts that God gives to us and that, we're, that we are to use them. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. Anyone who speaks should speak words with God, from God. Anyone who serves should serve while the, with the strength God gives them so that in everything God will be praised. Rick talked about this. We're here for the glory of God. Power and glory belong to him forever and ever. Amen. And there are many more, many more. A movie called Gifted obviously lends itself to pointing strongly to the topic of using your gifts for God's glory, right? You're gifted. And I wanted to do that. But there's more to it than that. This movie brings out a lot more, actually. Sometimes people are going to see those gifts and talents that we have. Sometimes they're going to seek to use those gifts and talents, maybe not for God. Maybe they're, they're seeking to use them for, for their own benefit instead of for God's glory. We're going to run into that. They're going to use them for the end result that they see. Mary's grandmother, Evelyn, is such a person. She drove her daughter hard, and suicide was the end result of that. Now, hear this. Suicide is not another person's fault, you know. 
You know I battle depression and, and self-destructive thinking, and that if, if it were to ever culminate, that would not be anyone's fault but my own. It's my decision. It, it's the person that makes that decision that, that, makes the, that, that bears that responsibility. And there's an inference in the movie that Evelyn, Grandma Evelyn, pushed her daughter too hard in pursuit of this Navier Stokes problem. Here's one. Got it? Can anybody really read that? No? Somebody can. I mean, it's... <laughs> so what it means is good. Nobody knows. I'll make something up. It means, no. It's a complicated problem. And she wants her daughter to, to solve this, to be able to have, be connected to this. Uh, it's one of the problems that if they're solved, that you become like one of the names in mathematics. So she grooms her daughter to, 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 to solve this problem. Now she's in pursuit of, of her granddaughter, not for anything other than to solve this and to gain notoriety. So in the movie, she ends up getting Mary placed in foster care. She actually convinces Frank that he's not good for Mary and that, that the best thing for Mary would be to let her go to the best schools and, and regardless of what Mary's mother wanted. And the challenge of this in the Christian journey is discerning what's the right direction because on the outside, it looks good. Mary was gifted. It looks like Grandma is, 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 has a point in trying to move her to a better school and a better place, a higher education, getting her in college and all of those things. It looked like her motivation might be in Mary's best interest, that this might be the right thing for Mary. And, and that's what got to Frank. It's like, am I holding her back by trying to just have her be a child when she's a child? And here's the spoiler alert. This turns out not to be the case, and here's why. Frank, it turns out Diane did solve Navier Stokes, but she didn't want grandma to have it so he was not to release that until not she died until her grandmother passed and then was to release it and Frank offered Evelyn this solution in exchange for Mary and Evelyn said I'll take the math problem and she let Mary go back to Frank and that led to a reunion scene in the movie something right. 
This is a movie I do encourage you to watch. It's a very powerful, out of the vein. Fred, by the way, is a one-eyed cat that had gone with Mary, but Grandma was allergic to cats, so they took the cat to the pound, and it was almost put down because of Grandma. And Frank saved Fred, and uh, he was home playing with his ping-pong ball. Here's one of the primary things I want you to take from this morning, and it's not unfamiliar. God created you to be you. Created you to be who you are. God gave you the gifts that he has given you so that you could become the men and the women of God that you are created to be. Let me read the scripture to you. It's longer than this that's on the screen. Because there's another thing I am compelled to talk about this morning. This is from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Did you catch that? Because this is you. The psalmist writes it, but it's you and it's me. I am fearfully and wonderfully may say that for me. I am fearfully. Your works are wonderful. I know full well. My frame is not hidden from you. Your eyes saw my unformed body. God has known you since before you came to be. See, time is our thing. It's not God's thing. God is outside of that. He knows the before and the after because he is before and after. I often mention that I struggle with depression. 
Now, I happen to know that in this particular congregation where we are a group of imperfect people following Jesus, that that is not an uncommon thing. There are several others who also have these battles of the mind. They're battles of the mind where our minds think the world would be better off if we were not in it. That our contributions are insufficient to matter. Or that our lives have no real worth. We have a part of us that preaches and tries to convince us of this fact. In the movie, Mary's mother is an accomplished mathematician who ends her own life. Despite being successful in the eyes of others. In other words, she did not see herself clearly but had a negative filter that she saw herself through. She could probably see others. If she were a real person, she would have been able. I can see others very well. I don't see myself very accurately, and I know others who do that too. I relate very much to that negative filter thing. See, there's a part of my mind, the way I frame it, there's a part of my mind that thinks it can go on if the body's not here. Now, you and I know that's not true, but it thinks that. It thinks that if I get rid of that body, if I get Mike out of the picture, then I'll be okay because I'll have control of everything. Now, I'm, I'm, I've had a struggle for the past couple of months. I'm happy to say this morning that I'm on the, out, out it, you know, and on the other side, that's had a negative impact on, on some things, you know. I haven't been as congregational carry as I usually am. Um, I'm good in crisis, but the follow-up I've struggled with, making myself do those things. And, I, and hear this, I don't tell you this for sympathy or for any other reason than the fact that I know there are folks in here who struggle with this, and I want to normalize it. I want to make it okay to be who you are. This is who I am, and I don't have a problem with that. I know that I struggle with stuff. I know that you struggle with stuff. It may not be depression. It might be something else. We all come to the table with stuff. Can I get an amen? You know, so what we do with that is kind of up to us. But if we walk together, if we can normalize the, the crap that we go through, then we can make something special. Arbor Point Church was founded on the premise that we are imperfect, but God loves us anyway. God loves you anyway. And hear this, because I know this today. God loves me anyway. You know? I couldn't say that with conviction, (laughs) you know, recently. I can tell you that with all the conviction in the world, that God loves me today. He wants the best for me. He wants the best for you. I've always known that, but he wants it for me too. And if we'll walk together through this stuff, just know that, you know. And, and if you're going through that, that one of those periods, just know that you're not crazy. <laughs> you're not. It's, you're not alone. That's the great thing that depression does for us. It convinces us that nobody understands and it keeps us in a corner all by ourselves. You're not alone. Lots of us go through this kind of stuff, and all of us go through something. You know, and God still has a plan for you, even when you don't see it, especially when you don't see it. God has a plan for you and for me that is beyond anything that is conceivable. And maybe I'm preaching to myself this morning, but I think I'm not. I think it's all, you know, there's, there's something in this. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, and the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that 
full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You are not a shock to God. Nothing you've done is like, ah, God is not that kind of God. Does he want us to walk the right path? Yes. Does he love you whether you do or not? Yes. Can you do anything to make God love you anymore? No. Can you do anything to make God love you any less? No. He loves you. Period. Hear it. Where's the mirror? Hear it. This, uh, if I ever get a tattoo, it's, <laughs> I might, you never know. It'll be this. You know what that says? God, do math, greater than my ups and downs, than my highs and lows. God is greater than my highs and lows. How powerful is that? Romans 8, 38, really, you know. But God is greater than our highs and lows. God is in it. I know you, that there are times you get weary. I know there are times I get weary. Do a Google search, though, someday on hope scriptures, right? Just those two words and see what you come up with because God is not unconcerned. He gives us hundreds of verses to remind us that there is hope, that there is a place, there is a next step in the journey. Here's a few of mine, my faves. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, he gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. And the one that's on everybody's wall is the next one. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Or Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all what does all mean? All joy and peace as you trust in him. And so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are so many more. Don't give up five minutes before your miracle. Don't give up five minutes before the breakthrough. God is a God of the breakthrough. Maybe, just maybe, if you be who you are for him, things can work out. Uh, yes, Don't shake. I'm really sorry. I, I, I can't hear you. Can you speak up, please? Hello? Evelyn Adler for Seymour Shanklin, please. Well, what I want you to notice is that when you compute P of N for N congruent to 4 mod 5, the answer is a multiple of 5. But the first person to notice this was Srinivas Ramanujan. In the beginning of the 20th century, he proved that it was the case for all numbers congruent to 4 mod 5. So he proved that P of 5n plus 4 is congruent to 0 mod 7, and that P of 11n plus 6 is congruent to 0 mod 11. It's Florida, I'm blending in. How was school? Um, not like regular school fun, but interesting. What is this book? Discourse on Method, Mayday Carter. 
What's it about? Existence. Existence? Yep. I think, therefore, I am. Well, of course you are. That's obvious. <laughs> I think about Fred. Therefore, I am. Cogito ergo Fred. He's a dude. And he's a guy. And he only has one eye. Here we are. Hey, hey, wait till I come to a stop. Then come to a stop already. So Mary, wearing her Girl Scout uniform, right, being a kid, is attending a college course because she's very gifted. She leaves to go to the playground because she's a kid. And she plays. And she sings. Find people like Frank. Find people like Frank in this movie. People who will see you for who you are, not for what they can get out of you, not for any of that. People who will want you to become who you are created to be without concern for themselves. They're out there. Find people like Frank. And find hope. This is a recovery saying that I've grabbed hold of and held on to for a very long time. Don't quit Five minutes before your miracle. God is a God of miracles. He's a God of making a difference. He wants the very best for you. He even wants the very best for me. Find hope. It's there.